Welcome once again to the PWH Podcast. I am Pastor Kyle, and this week, again, like I told you last week, I am flying solo, but it's it's all right. We're doing a great series on relationships, which is a topic that's on so many people's minds. Um, how do we have a successful relationship? What are the components of a, se- a successful relationship? And just like I promised last week, we are going to talk about the sexual component of relationships. Now, like I said last week as well, my starting place is the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19 says that God, uh, by wisdom and understanding, founded the heavens and the earth. So that means that God didn't just make the heavens and the earth, but he created the wisdom by which we are to live within his creation. And, and seven times in the book of, in the first two chapters of Genesis, God calls his creation good. And so God's creation is good. That means that the creator himself is good. That means the way he created life to be lived within that creation is good. And when um, that is perverted, when it's, it's uh, turned upside down and turned in a way that it was never meant to be, then life just doesn't work. We talked about last week, just very briefly, and we're doing a little bit of catch up so that we can have a little bit of context for the sexual relationship. Um, we talked about love that is, uh, the Bible says, love never fails. It says in the book of Ecclesiastes that love is as strong as death. But later on in the Bible, it says death is defeated, but love will never end. Love will never fail. So God's love at the end of the day is, even though Ecclesiastes says it's strong as death, God will do away with death, has done away with death, and he will do away with it completely in one day. But His love will last forever. And his definition of love is that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. In other words, it is uh, self-sacrificial. It is selfless. It is a giving love, not a taking love. But what we define as love today most often is a taking love. Oh, I love you because you're so beautiful. I love you because you complete me. I love you because you do something for me. In other words, I'm using what you have, whether it's it's your your beautiful looks or it's um, your money. God forbid if that that's what you marry for. Um, it's your it's your position. It's your uh, intellectual capacity. It's your personality. It's something that I can draw off of and fill myself with and become more uh, with you there. That, that is a taking love. There, there is some real love in it where you do give some back, but most of it is really our desire to be loved. And at the end of the day, uh, at least 50% of couples, people that know the Lord and people that don't know the Lord end up getting divorced. And so at the end of the day, that's a love that fails. And if that's a love that fails, then it cannot be the kind of love that God gives. So when we come to him as our source, then we are giving out of an overflow, not taking because we are needy. Okay, so believe it or not, all of this 
uh, will play into the sexual part of a relationship. Now, one of my favorite verses on sex in the Bible is one that is uh, never associated with sex because that's actually not the context in which Jesus said it, but it still works, and you'll see why. Jesus said, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. All right, so that sounds like a, a weird verse to put on uh, to put to to uh, uh, to define sex as because that's again it's not exactly the uh, context Jesus is talking about. He was talking about the fruits of our life, the character of our life, whether it looks like God or it doesn't, and that's how we will know if we belong to Him or not. So, just so you know, I do know the context of that verse in Matthew chapter seven. But the reality is that a marriage covenant and a marriage relationship is something that has roots and that actually grows. And people want to take a, 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 a sexual relationship and use that as the basis for a marriage covenant. There is a reason why the Bible reserves sex for marriage and marriage alone. There is a reason. It's not because God is prudish. It's not, it's not because God is somehow um, scared of people having a good time or, or somehow sex is dirty and naughty. Uh, no, it's not dirty and it's not naughty when it's used in the way that God made it. Again, God created uh, created the world with wisdom and understanding. Therefore, everything within that world, not just what was created, but how we are to live it out, has an order and a place. If you think about it, everything in the world has an order. Everything, including relationships, has an order. Um, the military has order. Laws and nations have order. Your academics have an order. Your growing up has an order. You don't start as a teenager, go to adult, and then end as an infant. The order is infant, child, adolescent, adult, and then the end of the life, you know? Um, and everything has its own order. And when things are done out of order, you get this discombobulated piece of junk that doesn't work. Yet somehow we think our spiritual life and our relational life and our sexual life has no real order to it, but it does. Let's get back to what Jesus said. A good tree doesn't bear bad fruit and a bad tree doesn't bear good fruit. You see, there's a root to a relationship, and as with a tree, a root supports the plant. A root goes down deep and finds water and nutrients in the soil, and it feeds the tree. And then from the nutrients that come from the roots, the fruit grows. Now, when people take a sexual relationship, they say, oh my gosh, that, that girl is so hot, and and you know, I wonder if the sex is going to be really good, and then it is because... Because let's be honest, sex is great and it's fun and it's awesome. And who doesn't like that? For goodness sakes, it, it does. We, we all do. But when it's used out of order, it becomes perverted and it becomes um, something that, that actually becomes destructive. So she's hot or he's hot and, and I'm going to sleep with her. And then when, if the sex is good enough and we, we kind of jive together and we're compatible together, 
you know, we, we, uh, we'll, we'll get married. Why don't we live together just to see if it works? And then we'll think about getting married. Well, you know, I don't want to be flippant or crass about it, but, you know, marriages like that kind of usually don't work out. I'm sure here and there they do, but usually they don't. And why, why, would, why would the guy want to marry you? Again, not to be flippant or crass about it, but why buy the cow when you're getting the milk for free? You know, it sounds a little crass to say it that way, but there's some truth in it. So, but if you try and build a relationship on sex, it's not going to go very far. I remember when I was a kid in the, uh, in the 90s, there was a show. I think I said this last week, but it's worth saying again. And, uh, and I saw a commercial for it, and the guy was telling his, his girlfriend or fiance or whoever she was, he said, you know, I don't, I don't know if sex can solve all of our problems, but I'm willing to try. Oh, my gosh. For goodness sakes. I can tell you right now that sex doesn't solve problems because if sex did solve problems, if sex made marriage work, then nobody would get divorced. There you go. <laughs> Case in point. Nobody would get divorced because people go into marriage and they have sex and they have sex as much as they can, and as much as they like. And then something in the relationship begins to break down and the sexual relationship then follows and breaks down. And you have people saying, well, why isn't the sex as good after marriage that it was before marriage? Well, because things were done out of order. So sex is not the root of the tree. Sex is the fruit of the tree and a bad tree produces bad fruit and a good tree produces good fruit. So in the context we're talking about, let's just say good tree and good relationship produce good sex. Good sex does not produce a good relationship. Oh, I'm going to say that again because somebody just missed that. Good relationships produce good sex. Bad relationships do not produce good sex. They may for a moment, they may for a year or two or three, but in the long term, it does not work. I have been married to my wife for now 18 and a half years. We have four kids together. She is the only woman I have ever known. I am the only man she has ever known. And listen, I'll tell you, we uh, have not missed out on anything. Oh, well, pastor, since he's the only woman you've ever known, how do you know you haven't missed out? Why? Because, because I'm a pastor and I've sat with countless couples in my office who have got things wrong and I've had to help them pick up the pieces of their life. Lives lived in perversion and immorality. Lives lived upside down. Lives lived against what the Bible teaches us. And I have seen firsthand how... Uh, Perverting the, the order of the sexual relationship does way more harm than it does for good. You sleep around and there's consequences to that. Well, our sexual identity is something absolutely, totally sacred. And when we sleep around, we go around from person to person to person to person, you are, you're giving pieces of yourself away because even the Bible says in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, it says, uh, and I want you to listen to what it says, because there were people in the church in Corinth that were visiting prostitutes. And the, uh, the Apostle Paul says, don't you know, listen very carefully what he says, don't you know that when you are joined to a prostitute, you are joining her to Christ in you? Hold on a second. 
So, so having sex is not just a, um, it's not just the animal act of physical pleasure. If you're, if you're sleeping around with somebody who is not your spouse, the apostle Paul says, literally you are joining your spirit and the spirit your spirit is joined to Jesus when you um, when you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus your spirit is joined to Jesus and then you take that and you join it to your sexual partner because sex is not just the animal act it is well you go all the way back to the book of Genesis and it says that that a man shall leave his father and mother and he shall jo- be joined to his wife or uh, the old King James says cleave, leave and cleave, leave your parents and cleave to your wife. That is a euphemism and maybe not even that much of a hidden euphemism of the sexual relationship. He shall leave his house and he shall be joined to his wife. But that joining is not just the physical. Listen, that's the easy part. The joining has to do with an emotional bond, a physical bond, and a spiritual bond. That's why it says that the two shall become one and not just in the sexual. Listen, the sexual is the ultimate physical expression of the joining of a spirit and a soul together. That's why it's a deeply intimate experience. That's why it's not it's not made to just go from person to person to person to person to person. You, you have a one night stand and you tear part of yourself away from that person that you have joined. And then you have a, maybe even a, a couple weeks or a couple months long relationship. You're sleeping together and then you decide, ah, it's just not working out. And then you tear part of yourself away from that. And then you have maybe a longer relationship and you tear a part of yourself. Maybe another one night stand when, you're, stand when you're on the rebound and you tear a part of yourself. And then you have this string of partners where you have left parts of yourself. And then one day you say, well, now I'm going to settle down and get married. How are you going to fully join and integrate the entirety of your being to your spouse, whom you have decided now to spend the rest of your life with and make a family together? When you've left parts of yourself with people all over the place. I'm sorry, it just, it doesn't work that way. That's not the way God created life to be lived. Relationships, marriage relationships are the ultimate metaphor of what God wants with us. After all, didn't God create marriage between Adam and Eve? After all, at Mount Sinai, when God made a covenant with Israel, and you can, you can look up dozens and hundreds of theologians that will tell you God's covenant with Israel at Mount Sinai was a marriage ceremony. How many of Jesus' parables have to do with marriage? And at the very end of the, uh, of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, aren't we called the bride of Christ? And we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And all throughout Jesus' ministry and his teaching, it's filled with, um, it's filled with marriage and wedding imagery. Why? It's because God wants to have a marital relationship with us. And that, that may sound weird to somebody. Listen, but it's not weird. Because it's not like, well, you're saying you know, God has sex with people. No, 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 no. Don't be, don't be, um, don't be so juvenile. 
That's not what <laughs> that's not what it's talking about. But what is a marriage relationship? We'll get back to sex in just a second. But what is a marriage relationship? A marriage relationship is exclusive. That my wife and I, 18 and a half years, it is just her and it is just me. Nobody else is invited to that relationship. Doesn't the Bible say that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and strength? We are to have no other gods before him, says the Ten Commandments. We are to make no other idols, says the Ten Commandments. And it says we are not to commit adultery with our spouse, says the Ten Commandments. Why? Because all of those things are integrated. They are exclusive one to another. It's an exclusive relationship. It is a faithful relationship and it is a fruitful relationship. It is a growing relationship. That is what marriage was designed by God to be. And at the end of the day, that's the kind of relationship that God desires to have. So he designs this institution of marriage between a male and a female. And they are to have this exclusive, faithful, fruitful, and growing relationship. And as we grow in that relationship, sex included, it is to give us deeper insight into how we can better have a relationship that is faithful, exclusive, and fruitful, and growing with God himself. Because at the end of the day, even Jesus says this when he's talking to the Pharisees, they say, oh, this woman, you know, suppose that a woman marries seven brothers and they all die and then she dies. Whose, whose wife will she be in heaven? And Jesus says, no, nah, no, nah, you don't get it. There is no marriage in heaven. The message you, uh, that's uh, the Bible, the New Testament, or I'm sorry, the Bible translated by Eugene Peterson. It says it like this. All, uh, there, there is no marriage in heaven. All of our intimacies and ecstasies will be with God. That is not an intimate or ecstatic sexual experience. It's something on a much higher plane than the physical animal act of physical pleasure. It's, it's a much deeper spiritual satisfaction that will last for all eternity. But sex is to be the physical earthly reflection of the joy and closeness that we are to have with God. But we are to find it with our spouse, not with a whole bunch of other people. So let's get back to the root and the fruit. What makes sex good in a relationship is not the amount of lingerie that your wife has. Um, what makes sex good is not uh, uh, how how much playing around uh, you, you do in the bedroom. That's not what makes sex good. I'll tell you what makes sex good. And you're going to think, oh my gosh, this guy's crazy and he's nuts. But listen, 18 and a half years and my wife and I have a sex life that has always only been growing, growing and becoming more and more awesome. You know what the root is? The root is character. Character is roots that cause a healthy tree to grow and a healthy tree will produce healthy, vibrant and very good fruit. Well, it's like, well, pastor, that sounds a little bit stupid to me. It sounds a little crazy to me. Hold on just a second. I want you to think about this. Let's say you've got no character. Let's say you are just one angry son of a gun all the time. All right. So you come home from work. You had a horrible day at work and you are just ticked off at the whole world. 
You come home, you slap the kids, you push the wife, you demean the wife. You say, get in the kitchen, make me a sandwich. If you don't, I'm going to slap you too. You kick the dog and you curse out everybody uh, in the house and you go and you punch a hole through the wall. Okay. Maybe it's a little extreme. Maybe for somebody listening, maybe that's not extreme. Maybe that's how life is. And I can guarantee you one thing, your sex life isn't good if that's the way it is. Because after you do all that, then you then you kind of cool down after an hour or two. And then you uh, you go up to the wife and all of a sudden you have some some urges and you go, up, so, hey, honey, what do you say that uh, me and you, we uh, go upstairs and have a little fun? Oh, my gosh. Do you think after being slapped and demeaned and cursed and... Uh, even physically abused, do you think that she's going to want to give herself to you in a sexual relationship? Well, I may not be an expert on women, but I know my wife well enough to know that if I were to have treated her that way, which I never have, by the way, but if I were to treat her that way, everything else in our life is going to suffer. But let's say you have the same bad day at work and you get home all the same. You come home and you uh, and and, and you, you know, you're really irritated, but you decide I'm going to show the character of God and have His Holy Spirit work through me and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and love and joy and peace, which, by the way, are the fruits of the Spirit, which are the character of God. Love, joy, peace, and goodness, and faithfulness, patience, kindness, and gentleness, and self-control. And you exhibit that, and instead of lashing out at the kids, or lashing out at your wife, or lashing out at the dog or the cat, you exhibit faithfulness, and gentleness, and kindness, and compassion, and peace, and joy. And you serve, and you, you help her with dinner, and you help her with the dishes, and you show patience with the kids, and you help them with their homework. And, and she sees that you're trying, and she sees that you maybe you're a little agitated, but you're, you're doing right by her, and you're doing right by them. You don't think she's going to appreciate that? You don't think that's going to make her want to give herself to you more? Of course it is. This is not some chauvinism that I, I, I'm doing, that I'm talking about, or that somehow it's it, that virtue is some way to get a girl in bed with you. That's not that what this is about. This is about when you live a life of virtue and character and honor and love and respect one for another uh, on the emotional sense, on the, in, on the physical level. I'm sorry, on the emotional and spiritual level, you're showing that honor and respect. You don't think for a moment that it won't carry out over into the physical aspect. Because it will. Because sex is more than just the physical aspect. It is emotional and it is spiritual as well. It is the two becoming one. By the way, that's why it says in the book of Malachi that God hates divorce and that divorce is actually an act of violence. Because you have intertwined your lives and then you are ripping apart lives that God has put together. Which is why Jesus says, what God has put together, let no man separate. When you show virtue, when you show character and patience and kindness, when you're gentle with your wife, when you honor and respect her, and I'll tell you what, part of honoring and respecting her is not having sex with her or, or girls with your husband, future husband, before you're married. Because there will come a point 
where there is regret involved. I wish we would have waited. I wish I had gotten pure, gotten there pure on my wedding day. I wish you had honored and respected me. I wish we both had the ability to say no and deny ourselves and make our first night together after we were married and we had established a covenant together that it would make it that much more special. The sexual relationship is awesome and amazing and God designed it and he designed it for pleasure. He really did. But he designed it within the confines of a covenant. And I'm telling you, my wife and I have zero regrets, zero regrets for having waited until uh, we were married. And she being the only one I've ever known, I have no one to compare her to. And me being the only man she's ever known, she has no one to compare me to. So who's to say that, that what we do in our privacy is good or bad or right or wrong. Who cares? We, we don't know any better other than we enjoy each other. And it's become, and it's in the confines of the exclusive faithful covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. That is how God designed it to be. But when you start with sex, Here's, an, here's uh, what inevitably happens when the relationship is based on sex. When you get together and you're getting to know each other, you're dating and you're seeing if you want to get married. See, then the dates never become about virtue. They never become about character. They never become about our future and our dreams and our goals and what we want out of life. Or if we want kids together or what are you like? What is he like? What is her family like? Blah, 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 blah. How does she act when she's angry and tired? How does he act when he's angry and tired? And you get to know each other on that level. No, 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 no. When it's about sex, it's about sex. And, and, and even your conversation is different when it's about sex versus not about sex. So you're on a, you're on a date and, it's, and everything is leading up to the sexual encounter. And so what do you talk about? Ooh, girl, you look so good tonight. Mm, you look good too, boy. <laughs> and you, you talk to each other, you tease each other, you touch each other, and you do, 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 and you do all that, and you, and all, you make all these suggestive remarks because you know that later it's going to lead to, to sex. So what, in, 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 at, the, at the culmination of the night, what has the night been about? It's been about my desires and my, my uh, anticipation that sex is going to happen. But what did you learn about the person? You learned absolutely nothing about the person. You don't know anything about their life. You never really met the person. You don't really know the person. You know them physically. You're attracted to them physically. But you don't get to know their goals and their dreams and their character. You don't get to know their commitment to Jesus or what they really think about life, what they really think about stuff, what they really think about family or where or how they grew up. Everything is working towards that moment of sexual encounter. But when you say, you know what, we're going to abstain uh, until we're married. And I'm going to honor you because because listen to this, you can have sex with anybody, but you cannot build a future with just anybody. And so the purpose of dating is not sex. The purpose of dating is to find a person with whom you are going to build a future.
Does this person have the stuff with which we can build a life together? Is this the man I want to be the husband or the father of my children? Is this the woman I want to be the mother of my children? Does she love Jesus the way I love Jesus? Does she see life the way I see life? What is she like when she's angry, when she's lonely, when she's tired, when she's hungry? What does she do? Does she become this big demon? Does he become an abusive guy? What, what's going on? But if it's only about sex, then you never get to know that. So, so you build a marriage off of sex. Oh, the sex was great, man. She's so hot, man. He's so fine. So we decide to get married. So then what? Then what? Well, I'll tell you what. The crude reality of life hits you in the face because then you realize that life isn't about sex. Now we live together. Now we're trying to build a life together. Now maybe we want kids together. Now we've got to go to work. We've got to build, uh, uh, make lunches. We've got to uh, do the dishes. We've got to vacuum the carpet. We've got to go get our laundry done. We got to go visit her parents. We got to go visit my parents. There's stuff to do. Oh my gosh, the car broke down. Now I got to take it to the mechanic. And, 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 but, but then the real person starts coming out and that person becomes less and less sexually desirable when you haven't known the virtue and the character of the person. It was just all about the sex. You say, oh man, we're going to divorce after one or two or three years because just the sex isn't good anymore. No, it's not the sex stopped being good. It's that you got to know the character of the person and they became less sexually desirable to you. That's the reality. But when you marry somebody and you join your life emotionally, spiritually, and physically to somebody that you said, this is a good person. This is a person that I can spend my life with. This is a person I can laugh with. This is a person I can grow with. This is a person who loves and believes, uh, loves God and believes like I do. Then come what may, the hard times or the good times, the sad times or the joyful times, you're still going to be there for each other and your virtue is going to sh shine through and sex will continue to be strong and grow throughout. The person will not become less sexually desirable, but more sexually desirable. That's how it works. And that's how it becomes pleasurable throughout an entire life. You can't build a life on sex, but sex is like glue in a relationship. It does help hold it together. It really does. But you also can't build a house with just glue. It doesn't work. You got to have more substantial pieces like character and spirituality and virtue and drive and desire and vision and dreams and above all, Jesus. You have those things, and sex now is something that helps bonds it all together. Sex outside of marriage is like trying to build a house with just glue, and it doesn't work. It will eventually fall apart. It's unstable at best. Now, I'm sure there's people who are watching and listening right now who say, well, Pastor, this is all good and fine, and I, I understand what you're saying but it's too late for me. I've already, uh, I've already gone down a different path. Or maybe my wife and I are having a, a difficulty because we didn't wait. Or maybe you're in the midst of a, of a relationship that is immoral, that it, it's outside the confines of what God designed a sexual relationship to be. Or maybe you're, you're not in that right now, but you have been. 
or maybe you're divorced, or I, I don't know what your situation is. But let me tell you, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Where there is repentance, there is forgiveness. And so God can forgive, and God is a God of, re- of restoration and redemption. He's not going to condemn you, but you know what? He can actually give you your entire heart back. He said, maybe you've had many partners throughout your life. I don't know. Maybe you've given yourself away to a lot of different people. I don't know. But let's pray right now and say, you know what? I, I choose to repent of my sins. I choose Jesus. I choose his kingdom way of living. And I want to renounce the past and I want to get my soul back. The parts of my soul that I left with other people, God can restore that to you. If that's you, I want to pray with you right now. I'm just going to ask that you pray right where you are. Pray with me and just, and mean it from your heart. Just say, Jesus, I repent for my immorality. I repent for my fornication. I repent for all the bad decisions that I made. I ask that you would come into my heart and be Lord of my life. I believe you died on the cross for my sins to forgive me. And I believe you rose again from the dead to give me a brand new life. And today I want to receive that brand new life. Please make me new in you. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. Now I want you to do this with me. I want you to call out to your soul and say, soul, just say it with me, soul, I command you to come back to me in Jesus' name. I break off right now in Jesus' name. Go ahead and say that. I break off right now in Jesus' name. All of the soul ties that I have created with other people through sexual experiences, even through emotional experiences, I break off the soul ties right now. And I command my soul, come back to me in Jesus' name. Father, go ahead and repeat. Father, make me whole in Jesus' name. I want to live in your kingdom's way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When you submit your life to Jesus, not just as your Savior and as your friend, but as your Lord, as your King, Everything in your life begins to align with his kingdom rule. And I'm going to end with this today. There are four things in your life that if you will align them up with God's way of living, they will give you blessing beyond anything that you have ever imagined before. And those things are, those are four fountains of life that flow out of us. The first is your mouth or your words. Your words have the power of life and death. Your words can be uh, pure or impure. The second is your money. That's an outflow of the work of your hands. Your work can be pure or impure. It can be given only to yourself or you can give a specified portion to the Lord and you can uh, align your finances and the work of your hands with his kingdom's way of living. That's giving. The third is your worship. Your worship can go to idols or it can go to the Lord. It can be polluted or it can be pure. And the fourth outflow of life is your sexuality, your sex life. Homosexuality is completely perverse. Immorality 
is completely perverse, as we've talked about already. It is between a man and woman within the confines of marriage. And when you submit your sexuality to the Lord and the kingdom's way of living, your mouth, your money, your worship, and your sex, the four outflows of your life, you will find God's kingdom flowing in your life and blessing flowing through your life in ways you never thought possible. God bless you. I am Pastor Kyle. Don't forget, you can find me on TikTok at, at Pastor, Kyle, uh, Pastor underscore Kyle underscore. Uh, you can also find me in Spanish on TikTok at arroba el pastor Kyle. Um, and uh, of course, this is the PWH podcast. Follow us on TikTok at Pathway Home and on Instagram at pwh.tv. That's our Instagram handle, pwh.tv. Follow us in those places, and we're going to continue to pastor you into the full life of Jesus. God bless you. We'll see you next week.